Morning, team. Tuesday morning in London town. Crikey, where's this year going? Where is this year? We're into July. We're into July the 5th already. Doesn't seem possible, does it? I've got, I've got older shoes in my wardrobe. I don't know. This year, we'll, be, we'll be doing Christmas carols very shortly and stuff like that. Hope not. Uh, the Daily Mail this morning, Amanda Platell is talking about the, the staged reunion of Cheryl. Is it uh, a PR stunt? No. Or is she hopelessly insecure? Yes, she's hopelessly insecure. Absolutely. She's like Kerry Katona. She's like Jordan. They're all terribly insecure. They, they try to give the impression that they're really tough and all the rest of it, but unfortunately they're not. They're just weak, feeble, and in the case of Cheryl, you know, he must be laughing his socks off, I would imagine. That's what all the experts were saying the other day. They were saying, you know, he must be going, see, still got it, still got it. Uh, they're all saying, fool to go back with him, fool to uh, go anywhere near him. He's cheated uh, a few times before. He'll do it again. In fact, it was only last week he was pictured with all those blonde girls in uh, New York. It'll happen again. Of course it will. And uh, so, absolutely ridiculous. She's lonely. She, I don't think she has many friends, unfortunately, in the business. And um, I think what, they, what, what the papers have done is sort of built her up into this character, which she isn't. She's just, you know, I think now she's laid her cards on the table and everybody will be saying the same. Every single person will be saying, you're a fool to go back with him. A fool to go back with him. So Amanda Platell has talked about that. She said, you know, just going to be a, a, a human doormat. That's it. He's laughing his socks off and she's setting, unfortunately, uh, a terrible example to her young female fans. Terrible, terrible example. Mind you, there's a, a few other people in there. There's a great uh, story today about glasses for the blind. These are glasses which they say could help people see again, and they're, they're LEDs and cameras. Now, I've heard of this system before. I mean, whether or not it will actually become commercially available, at the moment they're test-trialling on 120 people to see how, how good it is for them. So I'll bring you that story a little bit later on this morning. Plus, we take all your texts and emails, 84850-steveatlbc.co.uk. Um, there was also another... Oh, you've got... Um, oh, what's it's back in the country? Imogen Thomas, having had another dreary holiday. And how desperately sad must the Daybreak programme be when they waste valuable television time, when their vastly overpaid and pretty useless presenter comes back from a month's holiday and they decide to work out what colour she is. And this, you think, programme editors, is going to get an audience, do you? I don't think so. That's why they're switching off in droves. Nobody is remotely interested in Christine Bleakley and she's made that big mistake again and it's too stupid to see it. Why don't you rub everybody's nose in the fact that you went on a very expensive holiday for a month and you've been given a £120,000 wedding ring? Why don't you rub your audience's faces really in the dirt, Christine? Why don't you do that properly? Because you're doing it very successfully at the moment and you've alienated all your... They're not remotely interested. Not the girl next door. You're that wag, I'm afraid, who goes out and becomes vacuous. But to sit there doing a, a thing on what colour you are, for all those poor people watching the Daybreak programme, and I mean them in the singular, of course, you probably can't afford holidays, but luckily Christine, who's vastly overpaid and is blooming useless, uh, she can afford to have a month's holiday away. It's lovely, isn't it, really? Really lovely. As I say, they don't learn, do they, on the television? They really do not. Talisa, I'd forgotten who Talisa was, but she's the X-Factor judge, uh, is, uh, is going to get a makeover uh, amid fears she looks like a chav. No, she's very middle-class, Talisa. She's not, not chav at all. And a £70,000 makeover. Good Lord. It's interesting, isn't it? I wonder what we'd all look like with a £70,000 makeover. Probably, uh, probably good. Uh, I see that uh, Pete Doherty... Good Lord, I didn't even know he was still around. 
could face up to five years in jail for allegedly breaking into a music shop during a drunken night out. It's in Germany. They're a little bit harder in Germany on people. They don't, they don't mess around. And yesterday we were telling you how much people earn on the BBC. Very rich, you know, presenters, TV presenters, radio presenters. And to be honest with you, I didn't think they were that overpaid when you consider what some people earn there. Although what's very interesting is that The Sun today have said that many of the, uh, the top names at the BBC are paid via their own firms on a freelance basis, which lets them offset tax. Well, everybody's work paid on a freelance basis. I don't know any presenters on radio or TV who were on staff. They're all paid on a freelance basis. So what happens is you will invoice at the end of each month or your company will invoice or your agent will invoice on your behalf and it gets paid into a, into a company and, uh, and then you offset that for tax purposes. It's gone on since time immemorial. I think for the last 32 years, about 30, 30 years of my career, I've invoiced like every other presenter here. But what they've done is... In the account of the firm Saviour Productions for Mr Moyles, Mo- 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 uh, he apparently has got £628,000 in his account. Well, perhaps he's getting ready to pay his tax bill, who knows? I would, I would think, actually, the amount of years he's been in the business, he's not doing very well if he's only managed to save £628,000. The BBC have apologised as well. Not for him or for anybody else, but the fact that um, there was over-talking by the commentary team at Wimbledon. A hundred people complained, so the BBC have apologised. I'd tell them to go whistle. The amount of people who watch tennis and a hundred people complain, that's like a drop it. Go away. Go away, silly little girls' blouses. God dear, can't believe it. People who complain, ridiculous. I think, they, I think some people complain because they want to get the free letter back on the BBC-headed notepaper. I've made a difference, you know. They're going to change it on uh, Wimbledon. No, they're not. No, they're not. Ozzy Osbourne has paid tribute to the NHS. Woo, well done there. And that surprised me, actually. I would have thought that Ozzy, with all the money that he's got, the millions, would have gone private. But no, he's still decided that he wants to take full advantage of all the free medical help and attention. And he certainly has done that. And kisses all round for Kate and Wills as they rule the waves. They look, they look really good together. His hair is really going fast, though. At the moment, it's going faster than we can even imagine. It's really, it's really falling out. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because they, they, they look good together. They're obviously very happy, and that's nice. I'm very, you know, I think they look good. I don't care what anybody says about them. However, my heart dropped yesterday when I heard, and strangely enough, I must be a bit psychic, because I was talking about this with a friend. I said, imagine going on a roller coaster and it stops when you're upside down. 60 feet, and it happened the other day. 60 feet up in the air, the roller coaster stops. Eight hours to get them down. Eight hours there. People shinning up on ropes and all the rest of it. And frighten the life out of me. Frighten the life. Because that's my worst nightmare, that there you are, hanging, suspended. Admittedly, you can't go anywhere. It's just stopped working. And, and then they have to say, and we're going to get you out now. I would be rigid with fear. I'm bad enough on heights anyway. The very idea that somebody could take you up 60 feet in the air and then just leave you there always frightens me. It just comes to a, a grinding halt. Two men were hurt when the vampire ride stopped at Chessington World of Adventures on Sunday. So that would frighten me too. Anything like that. I love going on the rides. But the idea it could break or it could just stop on some of these giant roller coasters and you could be hanging upside down. Remember I told you I went at uh, Christmas... Me and my friend Giles, we always go up to the Winter Wonderland and I always drag him on all the rides, mainly because I'm quite scared by myself. But if you've got somebody else with you, it's okay. Two of you can be scared and it's great. So we go on this huge tower. It's the biggest one, the biggest travelling tower. And you all sit on a base around the outside. And this little flimsy plastic thing comes over you and holds you. Have you been on... 
and it goes up, 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 slowly to the top. And then you sit there, and, and, and all of a sudden, and it's dark at night, and it's swaying a bit, and you think, what happens if this... Because the seats never appear big enough for my, my bottom. And so you're sitting on this small seat, and this little plastic thing is out, and you think, what happens if, if all of a sudden it breaks? And then the operator pushes the button, and this thing drops like a stone. I cannot tell you. Well, you try not to scream, but you're so terrified, you can't do... That's all you can... You do it. Kids love it. Absolutely, kids love it. Me, I'm sitting there, petri- hanging on to this bar thing, thinking, please don't break, please don't break, please don't break. So we did it twice. I like things like that. I like, and we like to be scared. I don't like watching horror movies. I'm not into horror movies. I was talking to Gary on the desk downstairs, our front of house, and, and he was, I said, what sort of music are you into? Because he's got this 2,000-watt sound system at home. Imagine what the neighbours are thrilled about, you know. He's turned up, he's very, he said, I'm very good. I turned it down at night at 10 o'clock. And I said, that's good. What do you listen to? He said, heavy metal and heavy dance. Now, anybody less into heavy dance than Gary, you'd be hard pushed to find. And heavy metal as well, because he doesn't look at all like that. You know, slim, you know, shaven hair, you know, sort of cut, cut short, and into heavy metal. Bizarre. I really like it. I can believe it, actually. Can you believe that? Yeah, I can. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, but you believe anything. You believe. I know he's tight. You believe it? Are you auditioning for Cleopatra or something, <laughs> dear, this morning? Have you, have you got a job as a handmaiden? Or something? It's a court of Cleopatra. You get to, you get to sort of walk in with an asp around your neck or something. I'll run you a bath of asses milk. Yeah, OK, right. I think we'll leave that for the moment. <laughs> a bath of asses. I love the idea she says, I'll run you a bath of asses milk, like it comes out the taps. I think you're fine. You have to milk the ass. I don't even know you milk asses. It comes in a bucket and you pour it in. You don't turn on the tap and milk comes out. Yeah, in your house you do. She's she got one of those Willy Wonka bathrooms where you've got Coca-Cola, orange juice, asses milk and proper water. Can you imagine if you could turn on the tap and get that and go, today I think I'll have a bath of baked beans and you just turn the little dial. I like that idea. I like that idea. I, think it's quite a, I bet somebody will pick up on that now. They'll go, what a good idea, you know, water and everything. Who's nicking Asda trolleys? Thieving so-and-sos. That's a, 800 trolleys nicked from Asda. Why? They melt them down for scrap. People nick anything nowadays. There's a couple of tow rags in the paper today and uh, they stole one of those plaques to the war dead. And they sold it for scrap. And, as I say, I mean, I, I can only tell you what I would do if I was a judge and they came up in front of me. We'd have been building the gallows, ladies and gentlemen, during the trial. Because anybody who touches anything to do with the people who gave, you know, their lives for these tow rags to live, I'm afraid they don't deserve anything. They deserve nothing at all. Mind you, it must be so easy today, mustn't it, to actually fool people. I'll tell you the story in a moment of a con man who used 128 fake identities. 128. Story details coming in a moment. These are the headlines. The parents of murdered schoolgirl Millie Dowler are suing the News of the World after claims a journalist hacked into her phone after she went missing. The couple say when messages were being deleted in the days after she disappeared in 2002, they thought she was still alive. Two of our biggest charities have started a £90 million emergency aid appeal as the worst drought in East Africa in decades continues. Oxfam and Save the Children say 12 million people, many children, are without food and could starve to death. It's emerged the Ministry of Defence can't account for more than £6 billion worth of equipment. Among the missing kit, £180 million worth of radios which are used in the battlefield. That's according to a report from MPs. Let's have a check on the roads for you this morning. Let's get you there. Trouble-free and hassle-free with the lovely J. Louise. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. We're starting in... 
Morning, everybody. 19 minutes past five. So here's this con man. It must be so easy in this country to fool. It really must. It's that easy. For the rest of you, it's, it's hopeless. But if you know the system, because do you remember the woman who had the quins? The Nigerian woman came over here and she lied on her form. Now she wants to stay here. Presumably to take full advantage of all the freebies we have on offer. So far, she's cost us about £300,000. It turns out, according to one of the paper states, she's working as an Avon lady. Well, I mean, I don't know how that am. She only arrived here the other day. But anyway, here is this con man, David Peters. David Peters is only 30. And, and, the, and the joke here is that they have to uh, decide... He's been found guilty of fleecing... Oh, everybody. Banks, mortgage lenders, government agencies... Um, he obtained 74, 74 bogus driving licences. I mean, it's bad enough to try and get one. How you get 74, I've got no idea. He stole £168,000 in benefits from three London councils by claiming to be both tenant and landlord at the same address. You'd think somebody in the council would be a bit intelligent, wouldn't you? But obviously not. He got a £250,000 mortgage for a house in Edgware, a second mortgage on a flat in Essex worth 160, and took more than £60,000 from Lloyd's TSB in a series of frauds. So he ended up with £636,000. That's what he managed to fleece. David Peters, who was also named as Olesi Jeremiah Adebayo, comes from Nigeria, quite clearly, it's, it's a bit worrying, they say here, that this man was actually... One of the biggest fraudsters the government think have ever seen. They've never met anybody who's managed to fleece some, and apparently quite easily. And now they're thinking, what the sentence? What do you think the sentence should be? I've got no idea what I think somebody like that who has stolen from me and you. Although we wouldn't notice any difference because there's people thieving every day. What would be the sentence for somebody like that? What would I mean? I mean, I'm thinking hanging, but there again, I mean that doesn't solve the. I don't know what the sentence would be. I don't know if sending somebody to prison for 15 years is going to sort it out. I've really got no... There was a couple the other day, a man and his two wives, uh, based down in Southall, and they were, they were running the biggest scam going. They were operating a VAT scam, and they'd netted three million quid. Anyway, they decided to send the, uh, the man and one of his wives to prison for, I think, eight and seven years, and uh, the other wife... Um, and they, they never recovered the money. What they did was they were sending it back to Pakistan. So they've only recovered a small amount because to try and find where the money's gone to is a bit difficult. So all these people will do their five years in prison, come out and enjoy the life of Riley. I should imagine that David Peters, also known as uh, Olesi Jeremiah Adebayo, has squirrelled away a lot of this money. That's what he might have fleeced. That's probably what they've, they've accounted for. But what, what you do, I've got no idea. I mean, he was living the life of excess and having a really good time. But then, if it's that easy to take, you have to go, well, that's very clever, isn't it? That's very clever. I couldn't do it. 74 driving licences. Got enough trouble keeping one of the blasted things going. 74? How would you remember who you were? That's why when they, when they stop people, they go... So, uh, I see them on these uh, programmes where they go up to the airports, and they go, um, what, what's your year of birth? Um, um, March uh, 64? Well, you, you said 69. Oh, I forget. 69, was it? And then the, the latest programme on the television where they go round to fish and chip shops, fast food takeaways, to discover illegal people working. And, of course, it's a, it's a £10,000 fine for the bosses of these places. And the bosses come up with all sorts of... I didn't know he was illegal. Chinese restaurants seem to be top of the list of places where there's loads of people. And what they do is they don't know what to do with it. If they can't find their passport, they can't get rid of them again. 
So they then say, right, uh, we'll let you go back into the community, but can you report back here next week? And they don't. And we seem a bit surprised by this. You see, me, I would take them straight to the airport, strap a parachute on their back, fly over, and then just push them out the blooming door. Makes sense, doesn't it? You know, you're not coming back again. One woman, an American woman, had turned up here three times and each time refused admission. And each time she was operating the same story. She was coming back to, uh, to clear up a flat. And quite clearly, the customs at Exiles didn't believe a word she was saying. She was a compulsive liar. So they went, no, you're not coming here. Another man, who looked about 45, claimed he was operating as a student. Although he'd never actually turned up to the bogus college. Because the customs said, well, this is a bogus college. Uh, no, I, I, I was definitely there. What, what, what were you studying? Uh, can't remember. And you think, you go to this college every day and you cannot remember what you're studying. And of course, it turned out to be bogus. He then bursts into fake tears, and, and it turns out he was working here. He was working illegally. There was a, a gay Brazilian, he was the funniest one, who managed to wangle himself a free Italian passport, because he'd met somebody in a pub who said, listen, fill in this form, give us 250 quid and give you an Italian passport, which meant he was able to work. And they went, well, you're not coming in. Well, I have a boyfriend, he said. And I said, well, you're not coming in. <laughs> it's as simple as that. It's just ridiculous. I'd love to have a go down there. What, you could have a happy day, couldn't you? At one time, I used to want to be a traffic warden. I was always wanted to stand there and go, I don't think we're parking there, are we, sunshine? No, no, you. I'm just going to get some... You're not going anywhere, because I can write very quickly. And I've already written out your car number plates. OK, and once I've written it, I can't cancel the ticket. So, should we drive off now? I'm not going to talk to you ever again. Just drive off. Oh, I could have a field day. A field day. you imagine? There was a bloke the other day. You see it all the time. Only this particular guy, who's called Andrew Vassiana. Italian? I don't know. He's driving down the motorway, he's eating Kentucky Fried Chicken. OK? As you do. You know, he's got the party barrel on his lap, he's eating, and he throws the bone out the window. The car behind has no idea what's hit them. They break. It involves a four-car pile-up with one of the cars ending up on the roof of the other one, all because he threw a chicken bone. He comes from Swansea, he's a bit stupid... And he got a conditional discharge because the magistrate said it's a very bizarre case. I'm sick to death of seeing people chucking stuff out of car windows. People, you watch bit the worst people, the worst people, smokers. They buy their cigarettes. I, I understand about throwing cigarettes out the window. I understand that bit. It's when they're walking along the street and they take the cellophane wrapper off and they just drop it on the floor. I see that all the time. You feel like, say, excuse me, oi, thicko. You just drop that. Just to, you know, just to see what they did. I remember listening to a presenter once saying he actually chased a car through West London because they dropped some rubbish and he knocked on the car door, they opened it and he dropped the rubbish back inside. I, thought, I think he was just making that up, actually. 154 million on... Uh, oh, it's tonight, isn't it? So if I'm not here tomorrow, it'll mean I've either overslept or I've won 154 million. We were, we were fantasising yesterday what you would do with 154 million. £154 million. Pounds. It's great fun, isn't it? Great fun to try and imagine, you know, just how much your bank would really appreciate you. How much they would really bear. I'm on the phone. I'll just put you on hold. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. I'm just connecting you to the manager. No, the manager's coming round to your house right now. Thank you, sir. Thank you for banking with us. Thank you. I think so, 254. I mean, that would be some serious sucking up with £154 million. Come on, admit it. 90% of you listening at the moment are going... What would you do? And then, then there's the other few people going, well, of course, it's far too much money. Because I can imagine, if, if I did win it, I'd be guaranteed to get a letter from somebody going, don't you feel embarrassed with 154 million? I go, no, 
I entered a competition where the prize was 154 million. It's like entering a competition where, where the prize is a huge luxury box of chocolates. And you get there and they go, we think it's too expensive, so we're just going to give you a small bar of Cadbury's dairy milk. And you go, no, I entered a competition to win the big box of chocolates. The same for this one. You enter a competition to win 154 million. Not to win £2.60. Not to win... Ten, I want to win 154 million. That's what the prize is. That's why all the adverts say 154 million pounds tonight. They say here it's just got even bigger and it's rolled over an eye-watering 154... They don't say you could also win 100,000. I don't want to win 100,000. I want to win 154 million. And then we can do a lot for charity and we can give a lot away. That'd be quite nice. I said yesterday, and I'm, I shall stick to it, if I win £154 million, I shall give the money to, uh, to Wilton's Music Hall. They can have £2.5 spread over two years, and uh, easy payments back. And, uh, and also we renamed the auditorium the Steve Allen Auditorium, you know. And also then I have my friends named over the bar. If I'm giving somebody £2.5 I think I can afford to call the shots a little bit. But £154 million, so if, if that's what somebody wins... That's because that's what the prize is. And the prize is £154 million. I don't want to come back tomorrow and say to you, I only won £10, because I'll be really miserable. With £154 million, I might be equally as miserable, but slightly happy as well. LBC 96 Steve Allen. Do you know, 93% of you have laughed in the last 24 hours. Which actually is good, isn't it? 20% of you have laughed in the last five minutes. Bit low as far as I'm concerned for this programme. Bit low. But anyway, uh, 10% cry with laughter at least once a day. Well, I've never cried with laughter. I don't think so. I've cried. I remember I laughed so much one time. And we were with Christopher Biggins. And he was doing pantomime down in Southampton. And I have to be honest, we'd, we'd had a few drinks. And there was only about, sort of, I don't know, eight of us or something like that. And Biggins, I can't even tell you what it was. It was something totally stupid. We laughed and laughed and In fact, I laughed. Oh, I tell you, my sides ached. I've never had my sides... My mother used to get the same, only when she used to laugh, she developed hiccups. And, of course, and she'd go, oh, stop it, stop it, <laughs> like that. And she, then she'd laugh, and it just made it worse and worse. And she'd be on the... I'll, I'll tell you, at Christmas time, I mean, many is the day over, over the festive season, you'd walk into the kitchen to find my mother crying with tears of laughter, clinging onto the stove... Because she'd, she'd tried a bit of the sherry trifle. She used to make a very good sherry trifle. More, more sherry than trifle, I suspect. And, uh, and she, she used to enjoy a sherry in the kitchen while she was cooking Christmas dinner. But many a time I went in there to find her on her knees, crying her eyes out with laughter. And she, she'd come up with something stupid like, I can't open the oven door. And it would just be, the stu- it would be something stupid. Whenever you analyse things that make you laugh, you, you look at it afterwards. It's like arguments. You know, I've, I've met people recently... And uh, they said, oh, I'm not talking to so-and-so. And I've said, can you remember what the argument was over? And they go, no. But it'll be something really stupid, something really trivial. But at the time, it's the biggest thing. The biggest thing. You know, people argue over anything. The one thing people argue over in LBC, religion. You can talk about religion, immigration, and you can guarantee it. People get so angry that, they, that they, 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 they totally lose all sense of the occasion. They just go ballistic. Because nobody can have a sensible discussion. Because you're never going to find people to agree on any one thing. You're, ju- you're just not. It's just not... I mean, I'm luckily, I'm the nearest thing you're ever going to hear to somebody who is right 100% of the time. I'm never wrong. It's almost... Even when people think I'm wrong, I'm not. I managed to wheedle my way out of it. But having said I'd like to be a traffic warden, and having said that, you know, you, you'd like one of these jobs where you were in authority... Sorry, you can't park there. Move along. Thank you. I would enjoy that. I'd quite like to be a bailiff as well. 
as Mark's up early this morning, which means somebody's going to be sitting at home or lying in bed at the home on their benefits. And, uh, and he, w- what he does, he goes out there. I think he does it like this. And if it's a car that has to go back because people haven't paid their money, it's no good sort of because that's thieving. And uh, you have to teach them a lesson. So he then gets the car up. And it's all ready, all ready there. It's all got all the wires attached to it, ready. And up we go. Then we knock on the door, OK? And we go, hello. You were sent a letter the other day. And then people always say the same. We've, we've all done it. I never got it. I never got the letter. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. You could, put, you could physically put it through somebody's letterbox and they would stand there and blatantly lie to you and say, I never got it. We all did it, didn't we? I remember getting letters from the bank donkeys years ago don- when I was hopeless with money, hopeless. And, and they go, we wrote you last week. I said, I never got the letter. Lying. Lying. I blatantly lied. I mean, I hold my hands up now and say, we, we all do it. You know, especially as kids. You know, did you, did you throw that at him? No. Well, who did? I don't know. You did, didn't you? I didn't. And you will sit there and you will blatantly lie to your parents. Hope it. Who actually threw that food on the floor? Don't know. Was nobody else here apart from you? Was it the Pixies? Don't know. Did you do it? No. And you'll sit there till the cows come home arguing, won't you? So all these people, you know, Mark will turn up at the door to collect the car. And he'll go, uh, I've come to collect £646. And the person the other will go, well, I haven't got that. OK, fine, thank you. And he'll go, and they go you're taking my car, that's my living. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an illegal minicab driver, you can't take my car away. It's going, it's going now. It's amazing how then they managed to produce the money. We used to see them. I went out with Ken Livingstone one night, I told you years ago, and we went out to stop the illegal minicabs, of which there are thousands in London, mainly operating around this area. They just pull up minicab, minicab, some of them barely struggling through the English language, but they've got an A to Z and a sat-nav, so that's OK. And uh, we would pull them over, and the police would direct them round the corner, and there were the tow trucks and all the men who they owed money to. It's amazing how many of these people, in fact, I would think a good, nearly 100%, managed to produce a credit card to pay outstanding debts on the cars and parking tickets and all sorts of stuff. Running into that one man, so smart in his suit and all the rest of it, stand there arguing and all the rest of it, said, well, listen, we're going to impound the car. He produced a gold credit card. He'd been, you know, robbing people blind for ages and ages. I do love Jack Cop. Jack Cop is in the paper today. And he does something that I do as well. He, he, he started, as, as a boy, he was terrified of vacuum cleaners. And now he's an adult, he collects vacuum cleaners. Now, I, I like vacuum cleaners. I have, I have been through quite a number of vacuum cleaners in my time. In fact, he's actually got so many now, he's got 120, that he's got a job with Dyson. And I have a Dyson. I think it's terribly expensive, terribly expensive. I think you get roughly the same effect from a Henry. And, and I bought one the other day, a wet and dry vac. And so, and I've also got a little handheld vac, and I've got a rechargeable vac, and I've got another vac in the car. So at the moment, I'm currently running, <laughs> I'm running five vacuums. God, the electricity bill. I don't know, because I see them, and, and I quite, the one I've got in the car is rechargeable, and it looks like a little mini Dyson. It's for the car, but it's, but it's really powerful, and you can, and it's really good. And I keep it at the boot of the car, and then occasionally take it upstairs and charge it. But I absolutely love vacuum. I see them, and I go, <sighs> it's like, a, it's like a love affair. With a vacuum cleaner. I mean, I, I know people say that you can... But I do. I remember buying the first one. I was mortified when I discovered that, uh, that Dyson's got dirty with dust. I was horrified because I didn't really want it to pick up dust. I wanted it to be all hidden from view. But you could see the dust in there. And they work on this cyclonic thing. So that means that it, it keeps the same suction. Because years and years ago, vacuum cleaners, the fuller they got... And some people never even emptied them for years. Uh, the, the, the suction dropped down. Not with a Dyson. It kept going. But that's why they're about £200 
going up to about £400. And, uh, but this man here's got 120. And I'm looking at them, and to be honest, I can understand exactly why he would collect them. They're works of art. They're absolutely works of art. I mean, they're absolutely lovely. Lots of children played with Lego. He said, with, with me, it was vacuum cleaners. <laughs> I wasn't that sad. I wanted an action man doll. I never got one when I was a kid. I wanted a pogo stick, but we never got one of those either. I was promised a pogo stick. My Auntie Reenie and Uncle John said, we'll get you a pogo stick, Stephen. I never got it. Never got it. Now, now they're not with us. I mean, Mum and Dad never got me a pogo stick. I felt like a deprived child. Yeah, now you know what to get me for... Now, of course, I'm too big to go on a pogo stick. I don't think there is a spring in the world, Amanda, that could hold my weight. I really don't think there is. Uh, I... Yes, exactly. Well, you can imagine. Boing, gone. He's vanished. He's disappeared over a hedge. Uh, over in um, South Wales, Bridgend... I love Welsh stories. I don't know why we like Welsh stories. But uh, the, I love Welsh stories. There's something about, it's because my neighbour Lynn is, is Welsh. And she is stereotypically Welsh. She's got the gold sandals. She's always having her hair down. She has her nails done and everything. And she's stick thin and she loves buying clothes and jewellery. That's stereotypically Welsh women, I'm afraid, for you. But the council here are spending a lot of money building a footpath. Why? so that school children can get to McDonald's. Are they mad? They plan emerged at the start of National Childhood Obesity Week. 200 pupils shun their canteen and walk along a busy bypass for fast food. Because, so the council are now building a path for them. Well, why, what a, I mean, what a stupid council! <laughs> you feel like saying to them, it's, it's £100,000. 100, if I was a, a ratepayer here in Bridgend... I would, you know, the, the council chief said it can't stop kids heading off for a burger and the safety comes first. Oh, grow up, for God's sake. Honestly, what is this mamby-pamby world we're living in? It's like, it's, you shouldn't be encouraging these people by building a footpath. Listen, just say to... The school says you're banned from McDonald's. End of story. End of story. I've never been so stupid all, all my life. So now they're going to build this footpath. It's like you have, you have men cutting trees along the side of motorways or whatever. So they cone off the motorway, assuming that because there's a cone there, nobody's going to drive into it. You know, they might as well build a brick wall, have more effect, I should imagine. But £100,000 on a, on, a, on a footpath so that these poor little mites who don't like school food, it's, uh, it's horrible, horrible. Although it's probably more nutritious. Why don't your mummies make you sandwiches? I don't know how kids afford to eat McDonald's every day. Where do their money come from? I mean, how do kids... Have, it's like I see kids around my way... And you get them, you get them going into Starbucks, and you'd always get it's always the, the large, large child who's buying the the Starbucks drink, which has got the cream on the top and the swirls of whatever it is all over it. It looks like the fattest drink that you could ever have, and it's almost the fattest kid who's having it. And the other kids sit round looking in envy, lest she sort of occasionally take the straw out and let them have a quick go on the straw. That's how it works. But it's, where do they get their money from? How did mother? I mean, these things are like two and a half pounds each. £2.50 every day. This is adding up a lot, isn't it? Perhaps mum's just hand over money now. Very worrying. Uh, other stories of the papers today. I can't, uh, some of the stories are very funny, actually. I see that, uh, that you've got um, uh, Wayne Rooney could appear in court. Would you take a DNA test to find out how long you might live? We wouldn't. This woman did it in the paper today, and they told her 48. <laughs> God, she... Oh, she's, um, 47. No, I'm only joking. She's not 47. No, no. Uh, £435 she spent on this thing. And, um, and she's, she's 32. Her body is 16 years older than her real age. I mean, that, I mean, I, I, I look at my body and it's a bit of a temple. 
Admittedly, nobody's worshipped at it for quite some time, but you wouldn't want to know, would you? you re- anyway, she's, she's a smoker. And that's why, you know, smoking has added... She says, I'm looking closely at my diet. Uh, she's going to listen to classical music. I hope it's classic FM. And, uh, and she says, I'm definitely going to do a yoga course. Which is, you know, yoga's good for you. It's very sort of calming. Um, you do yoga, don't you? Yeah. I, I, I might do yoga. So the trouble is, I tried once to get into the lotus position. And to be honest with you, at my age, you know, it all sticks. And you can do the lotus, but, and then you can't get up. I'm kind of, I wanted to do yogic flying. I quite fancied yogic flying on a mattress. And then I suddenly realised it's not flying at all. They're bouncing. They're bouncing. It's rubbish. They don't fly. Flying is go outside, go on, fly round that lamppost, then come back here. No, no, no. They're bouncing on a mattress. It's very good. Gangster dodgy Dave Courtney choked back tears after his stepson was shot dead and said he was a proper little soldier. S-O-L-J-A. I don't know what that means nowadays. We see that occasionally. He pleaded for calm as police, they call them cops in the paper, and I hate it, feared a tit-for-tat gang war could erupt over the hit on Jensen Courtney. Cage fighter Jensen, for that read, Pratt of the First Order, I'm afraid, was ambushed on Sunday nights. He got into his car outside the home of his girlfriend, shot in the head and shoulder and died. The uh, hit is believed to have been ordered by a drugs baron, crossed by Jensen, suspected of recent robberies on low-level dealers. You can't help feeling, can you not? And surely dodgy Dave Courtney, you know, who apparently was the, the role model for Vinnie Jones' character in Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. He's a man who used to turn up on the television with amazing regularity, with puffy sleeves on and all the rest of it. But he was a hitman for the craze, you know, and all that kind of rubbish. But uh, he says, I was a naughty boy, but I was proud of him. He was a man's man. Not now. He's a dead man, isn't he? Because he messed around with the wrong... P- I mean, I can't help feeling that, you know, unless you're particularly stupid, if you start stealing off low-level drug dealers, somebody's going to come after you. It's, it's you know, I'm quite sure if somebody broke into Dave Courtney's house and daubed graffiti on it, he'd be going, I'm going to find you and teach you a lesson. And, you know, if you've got a stupid son who starts messing around with sort of drug dealers and things like that, then you're going to pay the price. What more can you do but tell people? So now they're saying, oh, it could now be a, you know, there could be a gang. I didn't even know we had gangs in London. What's going on? I thought that was all with the craze. Bunch of fairies in prison who died years ago. One of them was interested in very young boys. What else can I tell you? Both dead now. Not very clever. And people say, oh, it's different when the craze were alive. It was. Nobody had anything. Because they were nicking everything. But they were the dumbest of the dumb. That's why they never made any money, poor souls. Quarter to six. These are the headlines. The parents of murdered schoolgirl Millie Dowler are suing the News of the World over claims a journalist there hacked into her phone after she went missing. Bob and Sally Dowler say they were given false hope their daughter could still be alive after voicemail messages on the phone were deleted in the days after she vanished in 2002. Charities have begun appeals to fund aid for millions of people in East Africa who are facing the worst drought in the region in decades. Oxfam and Save the Children want to raise £90 million between them to help people in Ethiopia, Somalia and Kenya. The organisation involved in putting on the London 2012 Olympics will face a series of tests to make sure security is up to scratch. At least ten exercises will be staged to test how government departments, police, emergency services and other organisations respond. Let's have a check on the road, shall we? For you this morning, Shay Louise. Thank you, Steve Lynn. Stockwell, the A23. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to six. Jimmy McGovern, the award-winning uh, writer, has branded The Only Way as Essex the biggest suicide note in British TV history. 
He's absolutely right, of course. He said the reality show would kill off future teen dramas because it's so cheap to make. And that's why. And uh, surprisingly, struggling singer Peter Andre... We're not still running with that one, are we? Apparently admitted his kids don't like listening to his cheesier tunes. The pop star, who can't get his single played on the radio, said his little boy and girl either love the tracks on his new album or hate them. Oh, imagine. They're not even decided. Mind you, it's a bit like the public, isn't it, Pete? That's why you can't get in the charts. Because the only person who sees himself as a singer is you. Nobody else sees you as a singer. Nobody's going to play your stuff. They're going to go, it's Peter Andre. It's naff, isn't it? It He doesn't really fit... I mean, if, if I said to Amanda... Peter Andre Singer, what do you think his music is? You know, is it, is it rap? Is it soul? Is it... What is it? it? It's pop, isn't it? It's naff. It's naff. He says, little Jay is an entertainer. I sometimes hear him singing in private. It's every parent's dream that their child is a doctor or an architect. Well, that... I don't think I've ever sort of thought, what if my godchildren are going to be doctors or architects? Where does he come from, Peter? He's as, he's as deluded as poor Kerry Katona. The reason... Kerry Catone has done another interview. <laughs> She's doing it for, for her kids. I'm doing it for my kids. You know, like the same thing she droned on years ago and years... And still doing it today. And uh, before she did this magazine interview, she had to uh, take a drugs test. Before she did the magazine interview. Which, which means quite clearly that everybody thinks she's a liar. You know, she says, I'm not doing drugs. And they go, we think you're a liar. That's why we're going to make you do a drugs test. And, uh, and she's not doing drugs. She does booze, but then she's stupid. And uh, her drugs tests have proved negative. But she turned to Max Clifford, because let's face it, nobody else will touch her with a barge pole. She's a waste of... Why did you think she left Claire and Claire's partner, Neville, Can Associates? Why do you... What is the reason Kerry Katona has given for leaving them? going to wet yourself laughing on this one. It's because she wants to move into acting and they're not an acting agency. <laughs> do me a favour. Stupid woman. Stupid. You can't believe the, the idiotic things this idiot comes up with. And, uh, and I'm not moving out of my house and going back up to Warrington. Uh, she's staying only for a month, because uh, Claire's very kindly said you can stay for a month. But so far, she's not doing anything. And, uh, and she says here that uh, they have released hair tests. On Ke- Do you know, I couldn't care less whether Kerry Katona snorts up the whole of Colombia. I'm not remo- Why should we be remotely interested? The only person she's hurting is herself. I couldn't care less. She's been doing it for so long. Who cares? Nobody cares. You know, they go, she's doing a drugs test. I'm sorry, she's not running the country. She's not an MP. She's not the Queen. She's a rather silly little girl who wasted all her money. I'd love to know where the, uh, the father of the children are, because we've seen very little of them on the reality show. But anyway, she's had a drugs test, and she's doing it for children. And she wants to be actress. I mean, where could you put her? Where could you put this stupid woman? Absolutely nowhere. I can just imagine phoning up Bill Kenwright and say, or Andrew Lloyd Webber and saying, Andrew, um, would you like to put Kerry Katona in The Sound of Music? Because she's a singer. No, she's not. We've heard her on the programme. She can't sing for Toffee. That's why she never featured on any of the, uh, any of the, uh, the hits which uh, came out of Atomic Kitten because she'd already departed long since before, before they started having hits. She can't skate on ice. She was pretty useless in that. And again, she, I'm doing it for my kids. I know, I'll just have another fag. <sighs> What a waste of space, as Christo said earlier. Famous for doing absolutely nothing. But well done to Daniel Radcliffe, who admitted that he went through the phase of being famous and he didn't know what else to do apart from booze. And he became known as Harry Blotto, because he kept boozing all the time. He's not had a drink since last August, so good for him. He's only 20. You know, I can't believe he's only 21. You cannot believe that Daniel Radcliffe is 20. He's achieved so much... In a very short space of time. Thank you, Popsikins. 
Can you be going on sunbeds or something? Oh, You've been going on sunbeds? I don't need to go on sunbeds. Oh, really? Okay. okay. Very easily. I can tell. <laughs> me, I'm the same. I'm the same. Just takes a bit longer. It takes a bit longer. There's more of me to tan. So, so he, he, he's quit boozing because he said that, you know, he said now, he said, I, I stay in with a girlfriend. I have a bowl of sugar puffs. How love I'd love a bowl of sugar puffs. Oh, I could eat a bowl of sugar puffs now. But um, he says, I don't know what, what, what I'm worth. He said, and to be honest with you, he said, I don't know what to do with it. But having money means you don't have to worry about it. So when I pick up my 154 million and I keep coming into work, there'll be somebody who writes in and goes, why are you still working when you've got 154 million? And I shall laugh. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> um, uh, Peter Andre's genre is called cheese. Cheese, that's what... It, the trouble is, sing me any song apart from that material girl thing. I've never known him do anything else. Oh, Insania, that, that was that ghastly aftershave, wasn't it, he brought out? That was remaindered in Poundland a short while ago. Insania, it's Insania. The trouble is, he's an old man now, and, you know, the dancing on stage, it's quite sweet, but nobody's going to play his music. You know, you'd be embarrassed, wouldn't you? Hello, is that HMV? Have you got a Peter... <laughs> Sorry, have you got a Peter... <coughs> you've got an album... Oh, it doesn't matter. Have you got, have you got the Wombles? <laughs> That's what you'd end up buying, isn't it, I think? And uh, here's uh, Prince William, showing he's a real winner. He went on a dragon boat race. Not a very good dragon boat race. I've seen proper dragon boat races. And let me tell you, they're very noisy affairs and very lovely. And here's, here's Davy Boy Beckham, still shaving his body to show off his tattoos. Uh, he took his kids out to go uh, surfing. And uh, so Brooklyn 12, Romeo 8 and Cruz... Uh, did some body surfing in the California surf. Oh, there's been a prediction. Cheryl Cole, there's been a prediction by Derek Acora. So you know it's rubbish. And uh, and he said that she will get married, but before she gets married, she'll have a baby girl. And then inside, the, she'll have another baby boy. And she'll probably move to Italy with, with Ashley Cole when he takes a job. So just remember all these things, because you know it's going to come to nothing. I'm just telling you now. Because he, he apparently predicted... Yes, yes, could, could... Yes, could you get in touch with what? Her dog. Oh, that's right, got in touch with the, the dog. Remember the dog thing? Woof, woof. He's quite mad, you see. They're all like that, all these people. They have no more power than you and I do, because I'm getting a message now that there's a woman listening. Jean. Jean. I can see Jean. Green dressing gown, Jean. Gr- There'll be a woman now who's just dropped a cup of tea in the kitchen called Jean wearing a green dressing gown. Why? Psychic Steve. Psychic Steve. I mean, I can also predict... I can predict all sorts of things, actually. I reckon that... Five minutes. I'll be more accurate. I'll be... In four minutes and 40 seconds time from now, there will be a news break. I promise you, there, there will be somebody saying, these are the stories... I can tell you now. I mean, how, how accurate... How, how tight do you want it? How tight do you want it? I can guarantee as well, in three minutes' time, that I'm going to take a... How do I know this? Because I'm psychic. Because I'm Sally Morgan and Derek Acora. Two crackpots in the same room coming up with the biggest load of rubbish you've ever heard. Tearful Kerry Katona is again in the paper today. She spends a lot spends a lot of time crying, Kerry Katona. And um, she says here, um, um, the bankrupt babe, she was never a babe, unfortunately. She was always the not the babe. And uh, she took a drugs test to prove that she split from Agent Claire Powell for career purposes. She says, I feel like crying. I've changed my manager. It doesn't mean I'm back on drugs. She's turning into a bit of a 
of a, of a Jordan. You know, people say my marriage is in trouble. No, but all your marriages were in trouble, darling. That was the funny thing about it. But nobody was ever saying it because they weren't interested. And uh, she admits she went on a recent booze bender. She said, I'm not going to apologise for having a drink on a girly holiday. And then she says, and I'll have to phrase it proper English, I work my bottom off. Doing what, dear? What, what, what do you do, love? What do you do? You don't do anything, do you? You're just stupid. You're a waste of space. She says here, I hate going to showbiz events. I've been famous for 13 years. I don't want that kind of publicity. I want a job. But you're not fit for purpose, love. You are not fit for purpose. I mean, I think the, I think that the job is... Do you want fries with that? McDonald's cola? Party barrel? Hello? Free Vionetta with that one. I love one of the, uh, the columnists today saying exactly what we said the other day. And this was after the Harrods sale girl. Do you remember she worked in HMV in Harrods? And they went through and they said, we'd like you to wear makeup. You know, that is part of company policy. You work for Harrods, we expect a certain standard. And I said, that's quite normal. We're, we're lucky in our business. We, you know, nobody comes in and says, Steve, we want to see you in skin-tight lederhosen or something. You know, nobody has ever... I'm more than willing to wear it, you know, if it, if it is so decreed by the management. I would go along with that. But if they started saying, we expect you to come in with full makeup and a perm every day, it's not going to happen. So she goes in and, and they go, we'd like you to wear full makeup because you've signed this thing. This is what the company policy is, OK? And it's like, men, we want you to wear deodorant because that's just personal hygiene. We don't see any visible tattoos because nobody wants to be served by somebody with tattoos. You know, some of the customers might have them, but I don't want to be served by an assistant or any piercings or anything like that. I'm sorry, that's just my standard. And Harrods adopt the same standard because it's a top end shop. So they tell her three times and each time she goes, I'm not doing it. So in the end, uh, HMV, because it's a franchise within Harrods, move her to another HMV, and then she leaves. And I said, well, that's fine. In fact, I advised her to leave the other day. I said, to be honest with you, if you're too bolshy to put on some lippy and think that you can tell them how to run their store, fuck her off somewhere else. Go and do something else. And in fact, Liz Jones has said the same thing. And they've got a picture of defiant Melanie Stark. I mean, you'd be hard pushed. I mean, she looks washed out. What they want in Harrods is smart-looking assistants. You want to walk through and go, that's a... You know, people should be proud of it. Not some bullshit. You can imagine, can't you? So Liz Jones says here, it's a two-page ladies' dress code. It might seem a bit draconian, but it works very well for Harrods and works very well for their staff, except Melanie Stark, who was too bullshit to put on lippy. Why should any firm, says Liz Jones, give you a job? Absolutely. And after this publicity, Melanie, I'd be surprised if anybody would touch you. You'll have to work somewhere where it doesn't matter about makeup. One, one, eight, four, Morning, every seven minutes. No, it's coming up eight minutes past six. Tuesday morning in London town. We're coming to you live from Leicester Square. It's going to be a nice day, lots of sunshine, and then towards evening, rain. I must just go back to uh, to Liz Jones. I'm not not a big fan of Liz Jones, but she, I mean she's absolutely right in this particular instance for this uh, this girl here. This is uh, Melanie Stark, who preferred the natural look and decided that she was a little bit too big to be told how to wear. She said she thought it was an insult when they said, "Listen, we can give you makeup lessons." Because there is a way of doing makeup, and they were offering her free makeup. You know, she's got a job during a recession, and she's in a service industry. And if you choose to work in a service industry, encountering members of the public, presumably you read the dress code before you took the job. Secondly, says Liz, you chose to work in a store that prides itself on being upmarket and glamorous, a destination store, not a, not a stall in Romford Market. Nothing the matter with Romford Market. My Auntie Ivy spent many happy years there. And in fact, Chris and, uh, and Pete had a very successful store there. But, you know, if you choose to work it, you follow the rules. There are rules. 
You know, if, if you're a nudist and you're coming to work, you know, on a television station, they're not going to let you walk in with no clothes on, are they? It's not sexist. And, and Liz says, I don't want to buy anything from a man who hasn't bothered to shave either. Can you imagine if you go into a restaurant, Melanie, and there's a girl there and she comes to serve you and she's chewing gum and she's got filthy, dirty fingernails? You'd be going, I'm sorry, that, I mean, you know, I just can't understand why you're so bullshit about the whole thing. Every company has a dress code. Marks and Spencers, they say, staff must maintain a clean, smart and presentable appearance. John Lewis say, uh, the guidelines allow partners, they don't call them shop workers, they're partners, to express their individuality whilst maintaining a smart and professional look. Any makeup should complement a partner's appearance and not be excessive, but we don't insist on anyone wearing it. Uh, Selfridges say there's no official dress code. Hair can be worn anyway, makeup is optional. Abercrombie and Fitch really have it down to a fine art. Both male and female employees must have a clean, natural, classic hairstyle, and makeup is expected to enhance natural features and create a fresh, natural appearance. Facial hair and coloured fingernail polish are banned. Toenail polish is acceptable as long as it's an appropriate colour. Inconspicuous tattoos are acceptable only if they represent the Abercrombie look. I can't go in Abercrombie and Fitch, I'm afraid. I'm too old to go in there. They only have young, thin people. Uh, and Boots have a dress code as well. So there's loads of places, Melanie, for you to go and work. You know, unfortunately, you know, where you chose to work, and you've been there for some time, and I'm sure you were absolutely wonderful and marvellous, but uh, when somebody says, we expect you to wear makeup, you do what you're told. If you don't do what you're told, then quite clearly you're too bolshy. And uh, to be honest, that, that pale, washed-out look, dear, doesn't really work in, uh, in retail, I'm afraid. Oh, well, Anna Massey has died. The actress. I loved Anna Massey. She was absolutely lovely. She died from cancer at the age of uh, 73. And uh, she overcame severe stage fright and anorexia. She got a BAFTA. And uh, she comes from a family of actors as well. Married to the actor Jeremy Brett. And uh, then after their divorce, was single for 27 years. And then she married a Russian scientist, uh, Uri. And I think that... Uh, I think her... her uh, her husband was with her when, when she died the other day. She'd been in Poirot, Midsummer Murders, Oliver Twist, Miss Markham. Lovely lady. You, you might not perhaps associate, you know, the name with her. You see a picture of her today in the papers, you go, ah, Anna Massey, 73. People don't, you know, it's amazing, actually. I love as well that they've done today uh, the serialisation of a book uh, by um, Ruth Leon. Ruth Leon used to work for LBC. She's a very much respected theatre critic. And uh, she was with Sheridan Morley. Uh, Sheridan Morley um, plunged into suicidal depression and uh, Ruth was with him throughout. She wrote a fabulous book and they've started serialising it and uh, she sort of brought him back from suicide. I went to the... Uh, I was reminded by a friend of mine, we went to their house down in Chelsea. They were t The book's very honest, very, very honest and talking about obesity and, you know, dementia and apparently 12 million Britons suffer with depression at some point in their lives. And it's always the people most unlikely, most unlikely. Sheridan Morley died uh, in his sleep from a suspected heart attack back in 2007. He, he used to go to the theatre and uh, towards the end of his life, he started falling asleep. And I didn't realise I read the book that Ruth would then write the theatre review for him. So he would sort of start it and she, she would finish writing it. But uh, amazing, actually. But the brain surgery saved my husband, she says, from the torment of depression. It's a feature in the... Daily Mail today. So the question I'm going to ask you, because I mentioned earlier on there was another survey, and the survey says that 20% of you laughed in the last five minutes. Not over some of the stories I've just been coming up with. You must have been laughing at something else. But uh, when did you last laugh? When did you last laugh? 
Do tell me what it was over. What made you laugh? Was it somebody else's misfortune or something like that? Because sometimes it's like, you know, people walking down the road. It's just me. Isn't it? but, if, but, but, but we laughed before because if you see somebody walking down the road and they walk straight into a lamppost, you do tend to laugh. And then, of course, you actually trip over a paving stone yourself. So when did you last laugh? What made you chuckle? What was it? What was the thing that sort of made you... Or even guffaw? Guffaw? <laughs> 84850 or LBC 973. 84850 or LBC 973. Uh, so well done to Ken from Catford, who is our Sunday iPad 2 winner. £1.40. What a bargain, Ken. What a bargain. Well done. Another happy winner on LBC. And Noreen says, loving William and Catherine, a hopefully future queen in skinny jeans, breath of fresh air, aren't they? Aren't they just... I think they, they, they've emerged really well. He, he's coping with it very well, and she is too. And she says, you were saying about beautiful cities yesterday, York was the top of the city that everybody wanted to live in, and it was also the most beautiful city. Uh, the other day on the train, we pull, pulled into Blackfriars. And she says, may well be wrong there. And I said to Brian, what a wonderful view. St Paul's, the Gherkin, the Thames. I know there are marvellous sites, she says. Niagara Falls, the Great Barrier Reef, Grand Canyon. But cities? London is the best. Do you know, I never cease to be amazed by London. I can quite happily, in, in winter, and I've walked over the bridge in the winter when the snow's been coming down and I'm the only one there, my little umbrella up, but uh, to stand there and, and look on, uh, on Blackfriars Bridge at, West, at uh, St Paul's Cathedral is one of my favourite sights. To actually go in it is even more exciting. To just drive round London in the early hours of the morning, once you've negotiated the drunks all over the place and, uh, and the people slumped in shop doorways and the amount of people sleeping rough here, it's a beautiful city. They've now taken the scaffolding down. It was coming down this morning. By the time you, you get to Piccadilly Circus later, it will be down on that big building on the corner, which looks fantastic. It really is. It's like a shining beacon. So I've always, often thought that Piccadilly Circus is a bit of a dog's dinner. It should be much classier. We tend to get lots of students who hang around Eros and just sort of sit there and you get sort of people banging drums and everything else. But uh, it's still absolutely wonderful. It's wonderful. Um, I did have a, have, have a great uh, job. Uh, sorry, great job. A great joke. A great job. And, uh, and this is Father Murphy walking into a pub in Donegal. This is courtesy of Ivor. And the first man he meets, he says, do you want to go to heaven? The man says, I do, Father. The priest says, stand over there against the wall. The priest says to the second man, do you want to go to heaven? Certainly, Father, says the second man. Stand over against the wall, says the priest. Father Murphy walks up on O'Toole and says, Do you want to go to heaven? And O'Toole says, No, I don't, Father. And the priest says, I don't believe this. You mean to tell me that when you die, you don't want to go to heaven? And O'Toole says, Oh, when I die, yes. I thought you were getting a group together to go now. Quarter past six. News headline, Sam Pittis. The parents of Millie Dowler, who was murdered, are suing the news... First this morning, from seven. Morning, everyone. It's nice to have your company. I've had a senior moment, says Paul this morning. I have. You have, in the past few weeks, admitted to being marginally over 30. But now, from what you've just said, despite the fact we all knew you as a boy broadcaster, it appears you may have been doing it from the womb. As you've said that you've been sending invoices as a freelance for 30-odd years. I feel an entry coming on, he says, in the Guinness Book of Records. Loving the fact that the saddos are moaning about the commentators at Wimbledon talking too much... After all, the, what they got paid this time around, I'd have been narked if they had talked less. If they wanted to moan, why not start on the levels of staff on a certain breakfast show and the half of Broadcasting House that goes to Glastonbury every year? Would that be Jess or Amanda who's doing the Amanda Barry this morning? It's Amanda doing the, uh, doing the Amanda Barry part. Slightly taller, I think, as well. And uh, thoughts to the family of Anna Massey on their loss this morning. 
Thank you. It's got cold now, hasn't it? Put your jacket on, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Liz says she worked at Harrods for four years before they asked her to wear makeup. So? What's that got to do with it? They then changed their rules. They always had that. It was a, it was a franchise, uh, the HMV thing, and uh, they asked her three times. She signed a contract. You know, it's a two-page document, and, um, and they expect... You know, they had, they had what they call a walk-through. We used to get it years ago in, in, uh, in, uh, in uh, retail, and people walk through and they go, dirty shoes, you know. I'm expecting people to look... Like, I don't want to see the pale, washed-out look. I couldn't care less. I want somebody to look good, you know, somebody to make an effort. If they don't make an effort, I'm, you know, I'm very worried about them. Uh, Material Girl was actually a Madonna hit. Andre's song was Mysterious Girl, says Linda. Oh, I know. God, we almost elevated him into the position of rock star, I suppose. Uh, Steve, last week I ran for a tube and got stuck between both doors, everybody looking at me. Oh, isn't that awful? Isn't that dreadful? I saw somebody do something. I did it once. I was on the, I was on the, I was on the tube with a, with a friend of mine. And, uh, and, and it, was, it was quite crowded, and I actually got off the stop before. And before I got off, I went... Bye, see you soon, take care. Of course, the door's shut, leaving him looking absolutely horrified inside there, and everybody else moving back a little bit. <laughs> uh, Derek says, I laughed myself stupid watching Piff the Magic Dragon on Penn and Teller. Good. And, um, and Tony says, you were talking about people living on the nicest places and said people can't hear you in Yorkshire. Well, I listen every morning on my journey from Wakefield to Derby. Well, you shouldn't, it's not for you. I've t- turn the radio off immediately. It's not for you. We're a London radio station, or for people on the... In- it's not for you listening in the car eavesdropping in on a popular radio station like LBC. I know you're starved of radio up there, but it's no good muscling in on what we've got. Grief, it's terrible. Nick Ferrari this morning. Uh, the paper reviewer is Claire Algar, who's executive director at Reprieve, because uh, Nick will be looking at the uh, ethics of terminating pregnancies in light of new figures released on abortion rates. Um, he'll also be asking why a new train contract's been awarded not to a British firm, but to a German one, Another nail in the coffin of British manufacturing. And also uh, joining in this morning, Tony Blair's former Director of Communications, Alistair Campbell. And to look through the papers, Claire Algar from Reprieve, the organisation that uses the law to enforce the human rights of prisoners. All of that and more with Nick Ferrari after the news at seven. Uh, I must mention as well that uh, David Bellamy, Professor David Bellamy, no less... Uh, is going to be down the Hampton Court Flower Show today. He's, uh, he's going to be looking at apples, because uh, he wants to draw attention to the preservation of English apple orchards with the help of Capella. They're an apple farm down in Suffolk. And I have to be honest, I mean, I think there's something like 7,000 registered apple names in this country. Because I didn't realise, every time a, an apple falls to the ground, if it rots, each one of those pips in there could, in theory, produce a different apple. A different form of apple. So you could end up with lots and lots of them. So what he's doing is uh, speaking at the garden. This is the Capella Plant and Protect Garden at the Hampton Court Flower Show about the importance of preserving English apple heritage. Because what you tend to be eating, a lot of you, is you're eating foreign apples. You know, and you look at... I mean, I went through Paul Cooper's shop the other day and he's got... He must carry about 20 varieties of apples. And I like... um, Chris, Is it Braeburn's? Very crisp apple. I love it. I like picking up an apple. I can't eat them because I, the crunching into them makes me, makes me go a bit funny and peculiar. But uh, that's what uh, Professor David Bellamy is going to be doing. And he says here, we're very lucky that Britain is home to such a fantastic and exciting range of apple varieties. And um, what they want people to do is pledge support to the Plant and Protect campaign and try and planting their own apple trees in the garden. And also to drink more apple juice. 
Because I've seen people take in... They did it on the television. It might be one of these country file programmes where somebody had an apple press and people took their apples in and they put them in and they made their own apple juice. I still love apple juice. With a vodka, it's very nice. And especially if it's chilled. And I've just reminded myself, in the fridge at the moment, I've got some mango juice at home. I love mango juice. But he's not talking about mango juice at the Hampton Court Flower Show today, which is their first day. It's a good... If you've never been before, it's a, it's a very good show. Very good show. I've, I've been to Chelsea and I've been to Hampton Court and I like Hampton Court better because it's, there's more room. It's not cheap to go, but it's once you're in there, it's lovely. You can sit down and have a cup of tea. Well, you can have a cup of tea anyway, can't you, I suppose? But it is, it is lovely, actually. I want to know this morning, when you last had a last laugh, what made you chuckle? What was the thing that made you chuckle? Because apparently 20% of you in the last five minutes have had a chuckle. Like... <laughs> Alan Dodgen laughs all the time for no particular reason, but then I think he's mad. So, uh, when did you last laugh and what made you chuckle? 84850-LBC973. Uh, award-winning star Janie D and my very good friend Alexander Bermange, uh, are they've got an opening night of their cabaret tonight, Tuesday, at the Pheasantry in Chelsea. It's halfway down the King's Road. Uh, where they can be seen until Sunday. They're performing a varied programme of songs, including uh, many that Alexander has written himself. Very clever boy. And they've got a different special guest each night. Tonight, it's Jane Milligan. Our very own Jane Milligan. So there you go. So if you want to go down there, the pheasantry is halfway down the King's Road. If you're going up the King's Road, it's on the right. If you're coming down the King's Road, it's on the left. OK? And uh, it's cabaret night with Alexander Bermond tonight. Janie D and lovely Jane Milligan. So that's good news. Uh, Daily Mirror this morning. Cheryl and the heart heart with her mother and Ashley and everything. I'm really not interested. I really couldn't care less. As I said before, I've decided there are better things to worry about in life, including, you know, why, you know, we would be interested in whether Kerry Katona has to take a drugs test. If she wants to do drugs, that's her business. I couldn't care less. It's of no interest to anybody at all. What's, what's laughable is the fact she thinks she's now going to be an actress. Uh, actress. Oh, here's a picture of Eamon Holmes. Very fake smile on this one. And they've got uh, a five-month-old pup, Maggie. Apparently, they, they, they never thought... Well, Eamon said, he said, I never thought I'd have a dog. And um, they were filming something at the Dogs Trust. And we're too busy, but she's making us change our priorities. Oh, good, less of him on the television. That can only be good news, can't it, I suppose? <clears throat> oh, dear. Oh, well, you li- live in hope, don't you? And apparently, Mylene Class is going to make time to marry after her three-year-old daughter, Ava, made her a wedding dress. It's, it's always nice, isn't it, when you get married? I think, you know, that's good. And why can't you eat just one chip or one chicken nugget? Apparently, scientists have found when we eat fatty foods, we produce cannabis-like chemicals, which give us the natural munchies. It's like, um, I brought in on, on Sunday, not for me, but for the t- some Pringles. And within five minutes, the whole pack had gone. Because they, they said to it, they said, oh, we, we've eaten all the Pringles. I said, and you thought you could have a couple eat? They ate the whole box. A whole box of Pringles. Because they're addictive. You can't just have one, can you? Sometimes you just pick up, like, ten. And chips as well. Can you... Oh, I love picking up ten. Watch it crunch. You know. That's like going into an Indian restaurant and putting your hand on all the poppadoms. And crunch. Love doing... I get really angry if somebody else does it before I do it. I get really... Because I want to do it. My poppadoms, I want to put my hands on them. And, uh, and so I do occasionally. I try and beat the, beat the kids to it, but uh, sadly they're a little bit quicker than I am. But there you go, that's, that's old age creeping up on you. Oh, there it is again. And, um, and, and chips, you couldn't, if, if somebody put, you couldn't just eat one chip, could you? I hate it in restaurants when you're sitting there and you go and, um, and a portion of chips as well. And you go to whoever you're eating, uh, do you want some chips? They go, no, I'll just have one or two of yours. Okay, no, you're not having mine. I'll get you some chips if you want some. You're not eating mine. I'm not sharing chips. 
You know, because I ordered a whole portion. I ordered a whole portion because I'm going to eat a whole portion. If I'm sick, I'm going to eat the whole portion. Don't want to share them with them at all. Uh, Steve, the last time I laughed out loud was last Sunday when you were talking about Prince Albert looking like the Pillsbury Doughboy. Have you? Thank you, Andy. He did look like the Pillsbury. He was wearing his little white outfit, Prince Albert, with the woman who quite clearly didn't want to get married to him. Oh, 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 I've just realised what I saw on the television. I knew there's something I was going to mention. I always flip round the channels at about sort of five-ish, something like that, just to find something that is, you know, that isn't either Loose Women or Christine Bleakley or something like that. And I happened to, ch- to chance upon the Channel 5 programme, which has got the Welsh bloke and the girl who was on the programme, which they axed before on Channel 5, and he's, he's the Welsh version of Steve Jones, and he's, n- he's not very good, but he apparently looks good. I know Steve Jones is Welsh, but I mean, I say, he's, he's, there's another Welsh one. And, but he's not very good, because he's not old enough to be presenting on television. Well, obviously he's on holiday, or he's going in having something done. And he wasn't there. And who did they book? Who did... Jeff Brazier. Oh, my God. He was wearing a suit that didn't fit. Bless his heart. He can't speak properly. And he... he I'd, I mean, to say he was wooden would be an understatement. He doesn't... He doesn't... Like that. He looks a little bit like a Thunderbird's puppet... No personality, nothing at all. Just dreadful. He's learnt nothing through... Pre- I mean, some people, obviously, are natural presenters, and some people aren't, and he isn't. And he was wearing patent shoes. Patent shoes! You only wear patent shoes to weddings. You don't wear them on television. Mamby Pambies wear them on television. You wear them, they're stage shoes. They're, you know... Oh, it was this suit, though, it was so tight. It was, like, busting out all over the place. It was one button which was really straining to hold it together. Why on earth they'd ever put Jeff Brazier? I cannot imagine. It was like on the front cover of OK! magazine, which really has plumbed some new depth. They've got Kerry Katona telling you more about her dreary, boring life, and Natalie Cassidy telling you why her boyfriend used to attack her. I mean, and this is... And the reason that Kerry Katona is only talking to OK! because it's the only paper she trusts. <laughs> LBC 97.3. Eve Allen. There will be terrible traffic around, uh, around Hampton Court today for the first day of the Hampton Court Flower Show. Enjoy it. It's always very successful. So it's, 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 it's quite classy, actually. I like going there. And it's such a beautiful setting. It really is. Uh, in all the papers state, Louise Redknapp doing nothing. Sitting on a beach wearing a bikini. And apparently they say here uh, she's got a, she flaunts her enviable figure on holiday. She looks like she's breathing in to me. She does. She looks like she's like that. And uh, here she is. They were relaxing in a posh hotel. Oh, not a Thompson's holiday. Oh, sorry, that was... Uh, oh. Naive me again. Naive me. I've forgotten about the fact you just did that for money. You don't actually take Thompson holidays, do you? You're in a posh hotel in Sardinia at the moment. And apparently this this proves that she's bringing the right food to the table. Do you see an advertising campaign around the corner with Louise Redknapp? I do. Have you, five minutes. I keep getting off of Jennifer Ellison, because Jennifer Ellison is horrified at how fat we're getting. So she's been signed up by a new diet clinic obviously for a huge amount of money to promote them, hoping that they're going to be, you know, people are going to be going, oh, let's talk to Jennifer Ellison about dieting. Don't think so. Don't think so. And I do suspect with the red naps, because most of the stuff they do is money-wise, you know, they'll sort of happily sort of take the golden shilling, and I suspect there must be an ad campaign, because they've all gone on about how flat her stomach is. Do you not see a workout video or, you know, a little... I see something, because they don't do anything for free, that couple. Nobody makes me laugh more than Steve, including today's Bridge End story, says Jim in Croydon. Good, thank you. Peter says, uh, did you hear Tim Henman's commentary on Wimbledon? It was like his tennis. Rubbish. Apparently, the worst one was uh, uh, John McEnroe, they said, was absolutely dreadful. 
dreadful. Very difficult to do commentary. And also, what was Tim Henman getting? I'm out, do you mean, to be honest with you, Tim Henman, pff, not interested. Neil of Cock Fosters. He said, I cried with laughter listening to you corpse reading an article about trains years ago. Uh, the item rambled on and you began to giggle, then you laughed and then you corpsed. I did, actually. I, I was famous for corpsing on things. I couldn't help it. Couldn't help it. And uh, Christine says, I apologise for listening to you here in Bristol, but I think you're terrific. I'm so Listen, I've told you before, you're not, you're not, go away. Turn your radio off. Do not listen to entertaining radio. It's just disgraceful. People listening in Bristol and Yorkshire and stuff. It's outrageous. Liverpool as well. It's outrageous. You've got your own radio stations. This is for London. Eavesdroppers. <laughs> Many years ago, says Kate... I ran to catch the tube at Green Park, rushed through the door at the speed of light, lost my footing and carried on with such speed into the carriage that I tripped and ended up with head in a chap's lap. He didn't flinch, carried on reading his evening standard, while the rest of the rush hour crowd collapsed in fits. Needless to say, I was mortified. Well, isn't that the worst thing? There's nothing... Tripping over is the worst thing. In the ice and snow outside here in winter, it was... I really had to have my sort of wits about me. Lynn says, I listen to everybody in Middlesbrough. Will you stop it with these out-of-town places? We're London. It's London's biggest... Not Middlesbrough's biggest conversation. That'd be NBC, wouldn't it? Uh, Steve, I laughed last night. Got four correct answers on uh, University Challenge. My husband only got three. Well, there you go. I can't even do any of them. That's Wendy and Mark in Raynham. Uh, Rupert says, I laughed at your psychic prediction 20 minutes ago. I'm driving my green truck drinking coffee. Your skills are amazing. I know. You're driving and you're drinking. Good Lord. And um, you just made me chuckle by what you said about Alan Dodgen. Thank you. Um, <laughs> last time I laughed out loud was on Friday when we went to watch Bridesmaid at the cinema. It was so funny, my girlfriend snorted. Oh, I hate that. Don't you go, <laughs> like that. Dreadful, dreadful. Uh, can't cope with that at all. Stuart said, have you tried Waitrose, coconut water and mango juice? Oh, horrible combination. I can't think of any worse. No, it's horrid. Oh, with a vodka in it, that's fine. It's a cocktail, then, and an umbrella. Uh, Mary is in Hornchurch. She says, you make my day when you trash the so-called celebrities. We don't trash them, we just tell the truth. Just tell the truth. £150 million. I hope I'm still on your list. What about the begging letters, Steve? Well, I shall carry on sending. I'm certainly not going to stop sending begging letters at all, I'm afraid. Um, 84850. Richard says, you misuse the expression a dog's dinner. This refers to someone very dressed up. Whereas a dog's breakfast is a mess. I've never heard the expression a dog's breakfast. Never. I've heard... Anyway. Uh, another one here. And uh, talking of tubes, says Miriam. Uh, I was terrified to get off the tube in Bank Central Line. The gap was huge. I thought I'd fall through it. That is... They do say, mind the gap. And you do sometimes look at it thinking it would be quite easy to miss it and just slip gracefully underneath the train. That's what I'd do. So I'm, I'm very careful. I'm falling over all the time. I'm constantly falling over. I mean, it must be this, perhaps my feet have grown or something. Uh, Colin says, if ever I was to win millions in the lottery, I would pay you a significant amount to do an entire show or an entire week's worth of shows entirely in your Welsh accent. It would be money well spent. It would so. He says, I love it when you put on the Welsh accent. I know, people, you don't hear the Welsh accent so often, do you? You don't hear, well, you don't on this programme. Who's Who's Welsh? Well, anybody less Welsh than Caroline, you'd be hard pushed to find. I bet if you did a survey and said, you, d does she think she sounds Welsh? I sound more Welsh than she is, because I'm from Port Talbot and I, I'm doing the Welsh. I've got a coracle at home. Um, logging on in the Ukraine, says Terry. Yeah, right. 
Listen, I'm not putting up with Middlesbrough. I'm certainly not putting up with the Ukraine or anything else like that. Uh, and Brett says, I listen to LBC all day and I live in Crete. Gives me great satisfaction to know there are delays on the A23. It must seem so funny, mustn't it, when you're sitting there looking out at nothing at all. And they go, and there are really bad delays on the, on the A23. And you think, I'm so glad I'm not there enjoying the, uh, the delays. Because we do, we do put up with it. It doesn't bother me, traffic jams. There's going to be traffic jams everywhere. I've got to go down to my brother today. And I know when I come back up the motorway, then I will, um, I will be encountering delays. But it doesn't bother me. I really don't mind. We've got a statue of Ronald Reagan in London. Couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. I'm sorry about that. And it was nice to see them all brown-nosing round there. And uh, Baroness Thatcher couldn't make it because uh, she wasn't well enough. She's really... She's not being seen, is she? Very much at all now. Definitely not being seen. Uh, So much for global warming as planet Earth gets colder and the controversy has hotted up after American scientists revealed that the Earth's temperature declined over the past decade. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Uh, They brought out a see-through motor car as well. See-through motor car and uh, a tale of two celebrity weddings. And uh, this is uh, very expensive and ostentatious. One was Kate Moss, who spent a million pounds whooping it up, apparently. Whooping it up, which was, uh, which was very good. And the other one was uh, Charlene Whitstock. Look at him. Positively tragic, I'm afraid. At her wedding, she was the one who married Prince Albert. She'd already tried to abscond three times. She quite clearly didn't want to go through with it. And then when he sort of went to kiss her... Um, she, she burst into tears. She quite clear. There appeared to be, I mean, if you looked at the body language, you know, you'd be sort of thinking to yourself, I don't think there's any love here at all, really. Although they'd spent so much money, they have to go through with it, I suppose. Um, despite some difficult years, Michael Douglas has learnt to appreciate the simpler pleasures in life, apparently. Uh, you know, his, his throat cancer, uh, wife Catherine Zeta-Jones's struggle with bipolar, his son Cameron, five-year jail centre for drug dealing. But he says, you've got to believe in heaven, he says, and uh, for the perfect happiness right now, I will take warm seas, the same temperature as the air, the freshest seafood, giggles from my kids, and a Welsh chuckle. You see, it's Welsh again. You see, everybody loves the Welsh. Everybody likes the Welsh. You know, because... I don't, I don't know why people just, people just like, I nearly morphed into Prince uh, Philip then again. It was nearly Prince Charles again. It was, Prince Charles was, because he's the Prince of Wales, you see, and that's why there is a, there is a link. Uh, what is it that everybody has got, become so fascinated about with, um, with Cheryl Cole? Why do women love a bad man? Because she's got nobody else. I don't believe she ever went out with Derek Hoff at all. I believe that uh, he was just sort of somebody to walk around with and hold her hand and sort of massage her enormous ego. And unfortunately, she ended up waiting for Ashley Cole. Why? I've got no idea. He will undoubtedly cheat again. Once men cheat once, they will cheat again. All the experts have said it, it just follows through. Be- and why? Because they can. Because he's proved that she's not going to leave him. She'll go back to him. Like John Terry's wife. She'll stay with him. Like, you know, there was that MP years ago. He cheated with everybody. He cheated with everybody. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who'd been through a particularly bad time and, uh, and his partner had cheated all the way through and said, because you were stressed, I was stressed. And that was the excuse. And now that Cheryl has sort of, you know, gone back to Ashley, she's gone against all the, all the advice from all the agony aunts who've said, you're a fool to go back to him. He will cheat again. And the reason he will cheat again, even though he says, I'm going to go to... He won't go to counselling. He's a footballer. He's an arrogant so-and-so. He can go like that and get whoever he wants. And she'll put up with it time and time until eventually 
there's no more crying. You just, you, you can't get on with it. Unfortunately, it happens. And it goes on. There's probably people listening at the moment. And they go, you're so right. He's come back. Why do they cheat? Because they can. If every woman, there was that famous footballer's wife. And she said to him, the moment he cheated, she said, that's it, you're out. And she kicked him out. I think he was probably a bit shocked. You, you take them. You, you, you know, take them for everything you can get. I love the schoolboy who jumped into a river to save his dog the other day and, ki- and saved him with an improv- improvised kiss of life. I don't think you could really kiss a dog, actually, <laughs> out of all the things that dogs do. You definitely don't want to kiss this dog at all. But he had learnt resuscitation technique at first aid classes. It's only a 15-year-old. That's good, isn't it? And he applied it to the dog, who was a Staffordshire Bull Terrier called Bronk. Bronk. Funny name for a dog, but there you go. And so he gave it the uh, the kiss of death, uh, kiss of death, kiss of kiss of life, and it came back to life again. How cool is that? I like that idea. I wouldn't want to do it myself because I get slightly slightly worried about kissing dogs. Um, eight four eight five zero. And Gary says John McEnroe is the greatest tennis commentator there is. Obviously, not listening to the right person. I'm listening to dreadful commentator, dreadful, dreadful commentator. And uh, another one here, Jonathan, listening in Israel. Will he stop it with these people around the world? I'm sick to death of having a huge audience. It's driving me mad. Other programmes are getting very, very jealous. The mysterious parting, we told you yesterday, one of Cliff uh, Richard's closest confidants, is uh, a reminder of how loyal, long-serving and secretive the people are who've helped preserve Pop's Peter Pan. Now, this was Carol Hall, I think, the other day. And uh, he's got his uh, close friend, Bill Latham, his uh, former business manager. And, uh, and he's got his... Uh, Vineyard Partners, that ghastly wine that he produced. But I went on to Cliff's website the other day. He does all sorts of merchandise. The T-shirts are quite reasonably priced. He's got T-shirts and caps and, and then he's got Miss Unite's perfume and stuff like that. But he has got a, an ex-priest who looks after him now called John McKellen, who now manages Cliff's properties. Every so often there are people who come into Cliff's lives and stay there. But in fact, I think it was Carol Hall who'd been with him for something like 40 years. 40 years. And then all of a sudden she got made redundant because Cliff was... Um, closing down. You know, he wasn't doing as much work. Whereas, in fact, he's just preparing for a huge tour and he's got an album and everything else out. So it just seems a bit odd, didn't it? We thought it was odd as well. Of course, as usual, the Cliff Richard organisation had no comment. Quarter to seven. News headlines, Sam Pittis. The parents of Millie Dowler, who was murdered in two... It's amazing, isn't it, how celebrities just want to share every aspect of their boring lives with you. I mean, it really, I find it quite amazing now that nothing is, is secret. Everything is available, provided you pay us some money. So, Kerry Katona, the truth about my affair with my ex-manager Claire's fiancé. Who cares? And Natalie Cassidy, I was scared for me and my baby Eliza's safety. My fiancé attacked me on the, day, on the date my mum died. You know, and th- these people want to share every, every aspect of their life. Small wonder that you know we've we've degenerated. I'm afraid in this country into sort of you know the uh, the, the sort of people who just crave publicity. It's like anything Peter Andre says. I mean, generally is a pile of old rubbish. I'm afraid. And this time round, he talks about Ellen Rivas, his ex-girlfriend. Yeah, right. Both with the same agent, of course. And uh, he says she's just being that mad, crazy Spaniola that she is. He said uh, she's not going to say it in an interview, but if she wanted me back, she's just going to ring and ask me. She's sexy. We're great mates, but I've never gone back. Ellen Rivas, sexy. Was he blind as a bat, poor soul? Steve went to uh, London Zoo yesterday, had a great time. The new penguin beach is great, isn't it, Maria? It is good. They've done this new thing for the penguins, and you can see them underwater. We're fascinated by penguins, but they smell. Penguins smell, but they do... We had one in the studio. It pooed in the studio. We had everything in the studio, actually. We had a... Amazing how many people to come down and see animals. Couldn't keep Charlie Girling away. 
I laughed to the point of tears, says Byrne, on Sunday as our friend described the day his rather expensive model aeroplane with a full tank of petrol disappeared over the horizon as he realised the control panel had stopped working. <laughs> so, last time I laughed, yesterday, as I walked through the foyer of the gym, still listening to a podcast of your good self, something that happens regularly. They all look at me as if I'm balmy and for just another out-of-towner. Uh, Stuart says, uh, I last laughed when you read out my text about you oiling up in the garden. Only sent it as a joke. Yeah, but it was a fantasy for you, wasn't it, really? So that's why I read it out. And um, I can listen at work in London, Steve, but not at home in Harlow, says Kevin. I think it's forbidden, isn't it, from listening to the radio in Harlow? I think everything's forbidden in Harlow. It is Chav, Chav Town. I mean, it re- have you been to Harlow? Oh, my God. It's, I mean, oh, I can't begin to tell you. Uh, Steve, you'll be pleased to know that I'm... Listening in your beloved Blackpool, I know. It's, I always say, see, see Blackpool and die. And I'm hoping to do that. Last time I laughed Saturday at a barn dance, says Yvonne. We totally cocked it up with eight of us all laughing. It was so much... They didn't put um, hay bales down, did they, for barn... I love a good barn dance. They were everybody's on gingham. You notice you've got a gingham neckerchief and, and everybody sort of goes round. It's all absolutely wonderful. Uh, just had a, a chuckle at you saying kiss of death by mistake, says Lynn. See? People laugh at the strangest things on this programme. The strangest things, but I, I, I do quite like that. I do quite like that. I think, you know, you have to laugh, because there's so, so many depressing things around at the moment. It's actually better if you laugh than, it, than if you cry. Laughing is very... It's also very good because it exercises all the muscles in your face. All the muscles in your face. Uh, Paul says, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but the new series of Undercover Boss starts tonight. And this shows what happens when the owners or the MDs of firms go out and work with the normal staff. Tonight it's the boss of Anne Summers. Oh, that's, um... um, Oh, I can't remember her name now. Yes, I know the boss of Anne Summers, yes. But the one I'm most looking forward to is when the big boss of one of your favourite firms, KFC, gets in the firing line. Oh, that will be interesting. And he says, strangely enough, strangely enough, he says, we can... You know, read the footpath in Wales from the school to McDonald's. Interesting note, they can somehow force kids to wear uniform, but can't stop them going out to eat. We weren't allowed to go outside the school grounds at lunchtime. You stayed in the school grounds. You either took sandwiches in, or you had school lunch. You didn't certainly go to local shops. If you were found in the local chippy, says Paul, it was, it was nearly a hanging offence. I totally agree. We weren't allowed out. If you, in fact, if you went outside the school grounds during the lunch break, you had to be signed out and in. And you certainly didn't go anywhere near Lo- Jacqueline Gold. That's right, the Gold Brothers. I knew, Jacqueline Gold, thank you. Um, you certainly didn't go anywhere near fast food places. But most of them had closed down in Twickenham if the school kids didn't go in there to buy sort of underpriced pizzas and all the, uh, all the rubbish that is on sale for kids. Because they don't seem to worry about stuff like that when they're, when they're sort of young, do they? Kim says, you've got me in stitches. We've got a lovely, she said, all-year Christmas shop in Bath. You must pay it a visit. See, another one listening out of town. Stop it with the out-of-town people. Listen, go and find your own radio stations eavesdropping on this. I'm not going to say another word till you all go away. All right, I will. I get paid for it. I have to stay there. Uh, listening, uh, 4th of July in San Diego, says Jane. Lots of fire... fireworks going up. Yes, I, I forgot to... Ma- I didn't do Happy 4th of July yesterday, because, to be quite honest, I didn't know how many Americans would be listening. Might be three or so. Although, judging by the way we're sort of finding people around the world today... It's all very odd. Then uh, we've probably got thousands. Uh, in France, says Lynn. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I don't believe these people are anywhere near these places. Somebody said, I used to live in Upminster, but now I live in Lewis, East Sussex. Is it Lewis or Lewes? Lewis. Oh, it's Lu- you think it's Lou? Mad thinks it's Lewes. You watch everybody else write in now. Go, no, it's Lewis. It's Lewis. Do let us know. You've only got two minutes to tell us anyway. 
Um, I listen to LBC all day long, says Clive. Whose idea was it to put a statue of a B-movie actor up in London? I don't know. I don't know who paid for it, either. I just know Baroness Thatcher didn't go. I think, actually, Peter, listening in Canada, is exactly the same as uh, as all the other people. I think... Oh, my just jumped around all over the way. I think it's the same person who's written five times. I think they're, they're one of these people who's um, bi- bipolar. You know when you get bipolar people? Oh, dear. What's the matter with the uh, computer? It's gone all peculiar now. It's, um... It's sort of... Yes, we'll sort it out. Find out where it's gone. Um, there's a, a tubby ginger bloke called Roland Bunce. Uh, no, this is from the 20th of June here. We're not in June, so you need to put it... The, yeah, yeah, it says 20th of June. Uh, this tubby singer, Roland Bunce, has stormed to a surprise victory in a modelling competition. This unlikely hunk became an online sensation after entering the beauty contest run by Next. He notched up 66,000... 66,000... Uh, votes, compared with 89 for sizzling blonde Jade, who took second place. Absolutely unbelievable, isn't it? So well done to him. He is the people's choice. <laughs> He's going to join the top 250 contestants chosen by the public at the uh, at the Runway Academy. And he's then going to face an X Factor-style panel of judges who will know Roland is the people's choice. <laughs> people were urged to vote for him, so they did. You can get people to do anything on the internet, can't you? Yes, I'm now of the opinion that Lynn, Jane, Kim, Paul, Clive and Peter are all exactly the same person. All sent at exactly the same time. I think they're just sort of... It's the same person who's very desperate. And I think uh, Julie actually might not be. She's Welsh. Hello. Uh, from Port Talbot, living in Hong Kong. How lovely. How lovely. What's Hong Kong like this morning? Probably absolutely super, I should imagine. You can't have as much sunshine as we've got in Leicester Square. We've got tons of sunshine, but later on, it uh, it will break, I'm afraid. And uh, after that, you get a bit of rain. Uh, Sean says, Steve, mate, don't knock Harlow. Think yourself lucky you don't live in Basildon. Is Basildon worse than Harlow? I went to Harlow. We have been to Harlow quite a few times. And um, Robin Greenford said, there's a bus stop outside my house. And for the last few minutes, there's been a lady standing there with her dress tucked in her knickers. She's just got on the E6. I can't stop laughing. Do you think the whole bus has noticed? No. Because you don't turn around and look at somebody as they walk past you, do you? Uh, Jennifer in Bishop Stortford. Last Sunday, playing articulate with the family. Tears rolling down our cheeks at some of the daft descriptions. And Wendy is Camberwell. Uh, she said, you made me, from Camberwell, made me laugh out loud on the bus last Friday when you referred to Christo as the skinny wretch. I know. I don't think he'll ever be skinny, but he lives in hope. And uh, and Charlie says, there are some very decent people in Harlow, actually. Oh, don't be so ridiculous. Of course there's not. Don't be so ridiculous. He says, some chavs with hearts of gold and largely bred from genuine Eastern North London stock post-war. Oh, no. I'm sorry, Charlie. We can't help you. You live in Harlow. You're doomed. Doomed. You're doomed to listen to LBC tomorrow morning, because we're back again between five and uh, seven. Nick and the team with you after seven o'clock this morning. Go to the LBC website. Do check out. And now I know that there's a number of these Cockney ATM machines. And uh, we're going to put up some pictures, I think, some point this week from the Magic Circle gig, which was very well attended. And uh, she'll have a little sneaky peek behind the scenes at uh, what went on. Gosh, two, was it two Saturdays ago now? Very good. Very nice. And, uh, and learn how to podcast. I can only urge you to podcast because it works for loads and loads of other people and from as little as £2 a month you can download everything on LBC. I'm back with you tomorrow morning when we'll be halfway through the week. Have a lovely day today. Don't forget, if you are going to be out in town later on, take your umbrella, join Nick and the team after the news at 7. Before that, the business update with you this morning uh, by Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open after closing up 27 points.